welcome to a single serving podcast. This is where we change the discussion around being single into one that doesn't suck. I'm your host, Shaney Silver. I'm a writer and freelancer based in Brooklyn, and I've been single for 11 years. Whenever I see content for single women online, it's about dating, how to date, where to date, how to date better, how to survive dating. And I think we deserve more than that. So on this podcast, it's my goal to expand what we talk about when we talk about being single and acknowledge the realities of it that non-single people don't get to see. I'll be joined every week by guests and we'll talk about the positives, the negatives, and all the parts in between, and hopefully laugh about them too. Thank you so much for joining me. In today's episode, my guest and I will make references to a woman named Lacey Phillips, and I wanted to give you a little bit of background on who Lacey is and what we're talking about when we reference her work. Lacey is a manifestation coach who is based in California, and she operates a website that offers workshops and exercises that are deeply rooted in meditation and are centered around increasing our self-worth in order to manifest the things that we want to exist in our lives. This is work that I have not written about publicly or spoken about publicly before, but I've been doing for about three months now, and my guest Amanda has been working with Lacey for several years. So when we reference Lacey and her work and, um, you know, all of the sort of the positive lessons we've learned from doing that work, that's what we're talking about. And I will also have a link below to Lacey's website if you are interested in learning more. Amanda, thank you so much for joining me. It is a real pleasure to have you and just to talk with you in general. So I'm I'm so grateful for that. And I'm just glad that we're, we also happen to be turning this into a podcast. So welcome. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat. Um, and I love being on podcasts. It's a new thing for me. So this is really exciting. And this topic is very close to my heart. Same here. Um, why don't you let everybody know a little bit about your professional background and what you do? Yes, I am a relationship coach and my professional background kind of jumps around a little. I was a yoga teacher for five years, so I was trained in yoga. Um, And then I've just done an extensive amount of therapy and uh, different healing modalities, you know, a lot of researching on my own. And I also apprentice with Lacey Phillips for manifestation coaching and sort of deepening my understanding of the energetics behind it. A lot of my relationship training is just sort of training from life, just, you know, hard knocks, getting knocked down, picking myself back up and uncovering my own process. And, you know, through research of attachment theory, figuring out um, brain chemistry and neuroscience and um, applying those things to the way that I approach relationships. So a very holistic 360 approach to all of it, which I really love. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's so cool. I wanted to chat with you because I like talking to people who have perspectives on being single that are different from sort of the societal um, spoon feeding that we're given. And um, I think yours is, yeah, yours is really different and really positive and it just brings a great, um, it brings a great energy to the discussion. So um, I think where I like to start is... um, the way that we're traditionally meant to think about being single, feel about being single, all of that, it's not, it doesn't come from a positive place. It comes from a pretty negative place and a place mm. of feeling like there's something wrong with you or there's something you need to fix. And I'm, I'm wondering if you ever had a period of hating being single and um, within that, was there a moment that that changed for you? Absolutely. I might, so just a little bit of my relationship background, I was in the relationship from 
different relationships, but uh, jumped from relationship to relationship from 17 until 25. Um, and 25 is when I moved to New York. And then I was single from 25 to 32. And I was fi- fine being single for a couple of those years, but it was really 28 to 31. I was like desperate to get into a relationship. Um, right. And I felt very uncomfortable uncomfortable being single um, because the way I approached being single when I was 25 was I was hardcore drinking and partying and, you know, casually hooking up with people. I wasn't being like consciously single. Um, like towards the summer of 30, my 32nd year, I shall say, um, I really just got over it. I decided that I was no longer waiting for a man to save me. I had definitely been what I call Disney princess syndrome, waiting for that white night, um, yeah. waiting for my life to really start when a guy came in, you know, waiting for a man to like fix my life financially. That's um, so common. I think that's sort yeah. of like your life hasn't started unless you're partnered and totally. that can feel so defeating when everyone Absolutely. around you has just started and you're stuck in mud at a starting line. It's just yeah. it's so frustrating. You feel like you're not worthy as a human. You're not a real adult, quote unquote, if you're not in a relationship. There's these milestones that you have to hit. You know, you have to go to college. You have to find your partner right after college. And then, you know, you pursue a career and then you get married and then you have babies and then you retire and then you die. There's like these markers that we have. And if you've chosen an untraditional path, like I have myself, then suddenly you feel very lost because the life that you thought you were supposed to be having is not happening. And I was making choices to go against that grain, but I still felt the pressure of what society told me I needed to be doing. And I felt so unworthy because I didn't have that. And then when it switched for me, I had been doing Lacey's work. And so I had been, you know, raising myself for healing my wounds from childhood and, you know, stop acting out of, out of my trauma wounds and all of that. And then it was really just deciding. It was like, okay, I'm done. I'm breaking up with this idea that there's like the one quote unquote, I'm breaking up with the idea of being saved and I'm just going to live my best life. And when I was 28, I was talking to a friend of mine who was married and had a baby, but she, it had happened later in her thirties, like 32, 33, I think is when all that went down. And so I was talking to her as like, you know, this happened later for you. I'm really struggling with the fact that I'm nowhere near getting married yet you know, what advice you have. And she said when she was 30 or 31, she just stopped and looked at her life because she was seeking that like relationship validation as well and realized her life was really full. She had created, you know, beautiful work she believed in. She was helping people. She had great friends. You know, she was close to her family. She just felt really fulfilled. And she was like, look, if this is it, then this is enough. And that really stuck with me. And it was at 32, that I did the same thing. And I looked around and I was like, look, my life is beautiful. And I have created something that I'm so proud of. And if this is it, this is enough for me. I don't need a relationship, a romantic relationship to feel fulfilled. And that was a huge turning point. It was a conscious moment. Like there was a, a conscious moment in like evaluating what's going on, like taking a second to stop. It's like the analogy that I always think of in my head is just like running this endless race. And then 
stopping and looking around and being like, why am I running? Yeah, like, totally. What am I doing this for? Right. What direction am I going in? Yeah. I think we're, we're raised on a really linear life. We and are. I, life is not that linear. I think Ooh. there's so many like revolutions and evolutions yeah. to what happens to us. So this, this sort of like and one line. Yeah. Which would be, that would be so diminishing if we were to keep ourselves on a linear path. Like we are complex creatures and you know, it happens in, you know, life happens and like starts and stops and bursts and peaks and valleys. And there's so many layers to it. And I want to experience it all. I want a full life. So that means that I have to show up just as much to the valleys as I do the peaks. And, you know, the times of growth are the times when I have been in a rock bottom, when I've had the rug pulled out from me, when I feel like, nothing will ever be okay again. And I'm questioning everything and I'm sad and I'm frustrated and I feel like I'm not doing anything. Those are my biggest times of growth. Like when I'm happy, it's great. And I enjoy that, you know, when I'm in just like a good flow in life or when I'm in a relationship, that's beautiful, but all of it is gorgeous. And I don't want to disassociate from any part of my life. I don't want to, you know, sort of label one better than the other. Like, it's all this gorgeous mural of what we are experiencing as humans. And I want to experience it all. Same. I don't uh, want to yeah. not experience it because like we've been told, like you're only supposed to do it this way. And also we're not sort of, we don't ever get permission no. to really enjoy our lives fully as single women. I think oh my you're, gosh. you're you know what I mean? Like you're given permission in, in so many ways, in so many forms, if you do partner and marry and have children and, you know, the world is sort of clapping you along down the street and it's very happy for you. Mm. But single women don't get that kind of celebration and that kind of encouragement and we have to give it to ourselves, which yeah. is I think what can make it so daunting is like totally. it, support helps and like encouragement yeah. helps. And when you're constantly support like- helps for lack of a better way to put it, like alone all the time with in every sense of the word without any sort of backup, um, it can get really um, exhausting, I think, to to constantly have to give yourself permission to to like your own life and then realize that the only reason you didn't in the first place were sort of cultural and societal pressures. But- yeah. And I, I mean, I agree with all of that, except the being alone. I don't feel alone. Um, I don't feel lonely because I have created and surrounded myself with a beautiful community of women who really lift me up and are there for me when something is hard and pick me off the floor if I'm crying and, you know, support me and want me to like reach higher. So I feel like I'm still doing life with multiple people, you know, it's just not a male beside me right now. And that's okay. You know, I've had, I was in a beautiful relationship. Um, so 32 when I was kind of like, okay, I'm done. Like I'm not even looking anymore. I'm out. Um, and I went traveling. I went to Southeast Asia for like seven to eight months and, um, I was planning on being celibate. And then two weeks in, I met my partner and it was such a beautiful relationship. We're no longer together. Um, but it ended very beautifully, which is why it feels weird to call him an ex. But yeah, when that was happening and he was beside me, that was awesome too. But I feel no less like loved or supported or seen not having a male by my side. Right. So I think it's finding that sense of your community and intimacy in your relationships and letting that be 
enough for right now. That doesn't yeah. mean that you don't want a relationship to come in. Great. But that doesn't mean that you need to starve yourself while it's not there, you know? I totally know what you mean. I think community building is huge to enjoying being single. And I think our, our communities are very personal to ourselves, like the kind of people we want to be around and hang out with. And yeah. I think my community is largely partnered. I think mm-hmm. most of my closest friends are are partnered or have children and um, it, it continues to evolve over time. And it's just now in the last few months that I'm recognizing it would also be really beneficial to me to grow a community that is experiencing what I am. So women yeah. who are also single and yeah. sort of going through the same things. Mm-hmm. Um, I have all my community mostly single. <laughs> yeah, it, it really does help. I have recently spoke with Glennis McNichol on this podcast. And one of the things I noticed about her through her book was that she had an amazing group of single female friends. They eventually partnered up, but this core group of women who were always so supportive of her and still are. And just Mm. in seeing that, I was like, oh, that's amazing. I would really like that. And it felt like such a cool thing to pursue that didn't hold for me that sort of fear or um, caution or worry that pursuing a romantic relationship has after being in it for so long and trying for so long. So I completely agree with you about the community aspect of it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that it's just as important when you're in a relationship. So, you know, you, one person can't meet our needs um, and we need to have community around us. We are tribal as a species and we are meant to be doing life in small communities. So we need to have that established outside of a relationship because we can't just have our partner. Like that is just, it's not enough to have emotional growth and emotional stability. We're going to need more than that. So how beautiful to have that and cultivate that before you enter partnership. For sure. And along the same lines, what else, apart from, from building and maintaining a community, what else have you incorporated to your life, to your day-to-day or month-to-month that has helped you enjoy the current moment of being unpartnered? It's just all the work I have done to raise my self-worth to, I stopped seeking validation outside of myself So if, uh, for example, if I'm attached to anything happening in my life, um, I lost an apartment. I was supposed to move into a one bedroom um, in March. And two weeks before I was supposed to move in, the landlords broke my lease and told me I couldn't move in. And if you don't live in Brooklyn, that is the worst because (laughs) it's so scary to move and it has to happen so fast. And once details have firmed up, like you rely on them. So when that gets pulled out from under you, that's terrifying. It got pulled out and I was devastated I was so bummed um and I really couldn't shake the feeling for a while and I was like well you know what's going on here and it's because I was really attached I had attached my worth to me moving out on my own so I was less worthy if I was living with roommates and that was like whoa okay we are gonna have to relearn the lessons that we've already learned and like redo the work that we've already done on this because I didn't realize that I had my worth hanging there So I think the thing that I do consistently is just notice what I'm getting attached to and then unhooking my worth from that and rehooking it to myself because I am worthy because I am here. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to be anybody. I don't have to be with anyone to be worthy. It is just me as I am. So sort of doing that work has been really helpful. Um, I really like what you said about having to redo work. That linear mentality just kind of isn't real. The the idea that things are going to happen fast once you fix them and once you fix it, it's done is, is sort of a, that's a mistake. I think it, 
it takes repetition and it takes constant, um, effort really to, to keep yourself feeling worthy and feeling like you're, um, like you're living your life fully and enjoying it as much as you can. Absolutely. I mean, the work is never done. And thank goodness for that, because life would get really boring. Um, I love, you know, something that Lacey says is that, you know, she always talks about the onion onion layers being peeled back. And that's really what it's like. It'll be like, okay, you know, you get one layer down and you're like, cool. I'm like, good, got this figured out. And then another layer gets peeled back and you're like, whoa, okay, more work to do. (laughs) Cool. And it just will hit in different ways. And, you know, you'll realize that, the same kind of wound is showing up in this like other tiny, teeny way. But the thing that gets easier is, you know, what to do. You have tools, you are no longer attached to things outside of you, or you're becoming less attached to the things outside of you. And that makes it easier because it's no longer like I'm broken. I'm fucked up. There's something wrong with me. It's just, I'm human and this is part of the human experience is we acquire so much baggage. We acquire wounds in childhood that we have to deal with as adults and it's a privilege. It's an honor. The alternative is I'm dead. So I would rather be here alive and, you know, being fulfilled and thriving through doing self-work and making sure I'm at my healthiest emotionally and physically. And something I recently heard on a podcast that really stuck with me, it was Neil Strauss on Luke Story's podcast. And Neil Strauss was talking about, I think he's going through a divorce. So he was kind of talking about the layers of that and, you know, ending a relationship and, you know, relationships and that they're not always happy all the time. And you can, there's so many waves inside of those. And he was saying that it's not the point of life isn't to not be sad. The point is to grow your container to hold the sadness. And I was like, oof, that's it. That's the thing. We're just strengthening our container to hold these emotions that we are so lucky to, to feel as humans, you know, we're alive, we're here. And a lot of them are uncomfortable. And I'm not saying like bad things happening is a good thing, but just the deep feeling that we get to experience is what makes us human and is the purpose, I think, of this planet and this realm. So it's like, we might as well just give in because it's what's happening, you know, and strengthen our container to hold those feelings. So when they happen, it's not the end of the world, it's like, a, okay, this is where we're at. All right, let's like get to work. You know, I'm all about the container at the moment, yeah. <laughs> all about growing and strengthening it. I think part of being human is, is we're here to do work and we're here totally. to do work in a lot of different areas of life. And as much as we want everything to be happy and pleasant all the time, um, when you are sort of like working on yourself and working on the way that you view the world around you, it changes your perspective for what unhappy actually feels and looks like or what a bad day actually feels and looks like. And once you sort of change your perspective to appreciate the tougher times for what they're teaching you and appreciate them as a signal of maybe something else that's going on or something else that you need to address, it takes away the sting a bit, I feel exactly. like. You know what I mean? Exactly. Well, I I think the more we can realize that it's not our core, like our core is we are incredible and loving and worthy and beautiful and talented and successful. Like that is our core for all of us, you know, no matter who we are, but we get all of the societal programming. We get all this, you know, layers of wounds depending on where we are in the world and how we grew up. So it's like not attaching that as like 
that is who you are and what it means for you. Like it has, it's not a personal attack. Like you're not bad or broken or, you know. But we think we are. We've been, we've been programmed to think that we are and that it's us and it's our fault and the universe is against us and hates us and is punishing us. And the, the, I think one of the best things that has ever happened to my single perspective was throwing that shit in the trash. Truly. Yeah, totally. I mean, absolutely. Absolutely. And here's the thing. If we don't find fulfillment right now, because that's where it exists. It exists here in this moment. So when I'm recording a podcast, sitting in a chair with a very cute dog on my lap, like <laughs> this is it. I have to find fulfillment now because when I get quote unquote, the thing that I want, I won't find fulfillment there if I haven't already, I will then be like, well, this is okay. Cool. Okay. But it's like, I want this next thing. I want this next thing. And it's like our happiness, our fulfillment, our joy doesn't lie in the future. It lies in the now and we keep missing it if we don't tune into it and we can be happy and fulfilled as we are right now. That does not mean, however, that we have to suppress our desires. Absolutely not. We live on a physical plane and we can have these you know, desires for whatever physical thing we want, but we can find fulfillment in each moment. It's, yeah. it's deeper than that. And that's what we'll allow as, you know, single women, if we're just like killing life, we're like, this is great. My life is cool. When you get a relationship, you'll bring that into it. And I've experienced that myself firsthand. And the way that that changes the relationship you're in is huge. Versus... I can only imagine that. That's actually something I've been thinking about a lot lately is I've been yeah. doing a lot of work on myself and my worthiness and my deservingness. What is what is a relationship going to look like now that that's changed for me? And I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that we should work on ourselves solely to meet a partner at all. No. Because again, that's just sort of, that's not really the point. But yeah. There's nothing wrong with wanting a relationship at all. Um, It's just, it's not the end all be all. Relationships are our greatest assignment and they are hard and they bring up your shit and you have to work them out with your mirror because a relationship is just a person who is your teacher and is going to be mirroring back exactly where you are and exactly how you're showing up. And that can get really uncomfortable. So it's not, you know, the answer to everything. And it's, every relationship's a mirror, right? Like not oh, yeah, just every, a Yeah, partner. not just romantic. I mean, every everyone everyone is just our teacher. Everyone is a mirror. Um, and everything is a relationship. Like we're in relationship with a lot of people. I'm in relationship with all my friends. I'm in relationship with the animals that I care for. I'm in relationship with, you know, the women I run social media for. Like I'm in relationship with my clients. Like I am in relationship with a lot of people. But we just put this one you know, romantic relationship on a pedestal of like, this is the end all and be all. And they are beautiful. There's intimacy that you experience in a romantic relationship that you don't in your other ones. You know, I think that they are beautiful and I'm not like discrediting them. I just want the like pedestal to be pulled down and for it to just be like, yes, this is a beautiful thing that I get to experience, but there's still beauty in my life with or without it. You mentioned your clients and I have so many questions for you about that in general. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so excited to, um, to help people find you in that way. Yeah. Um, so you work with women that are going through difficult phases surrounding love and partnership and all of that. What is a, a common through line that you notice um, throughout working with your clients? It's the through line is that they don't feel worthy 
of the love that they truly want. So they're settling in situationships. They're settling with unavailable men. They're settling with controlling men. Um, I work mostly with heterosexual women. I Mm -hmm. would love to work with women who, uh, you know, um, have women relationships, uh, but that's just who has come to me so far. So that's what I'm going to speak to. I didn't say that very eloquently, but that's okay. No, we get it. We we know exactly what you're talking about. I call Um, it the, I call it the scraps. I call it the scraps. We settle for the scraps that are being fed to us instead of having the self-worth to say no to things that are not serving us well, that are not giving us what we want because, you know, we think that the scraps are all we can have and that there's not something better coming along in the future. Right. And and I actually have been working with um, some married women as well who are kind of going through rough patches in their marriage or who are looking to realizing, you know, they're in, they're suddenly married and stuff is coming up that hasn't come up for a while and they're freaked out and they don't know what to do about it. And they're starting to work on it. So supporting them with that or women who are in a marriage and leaving the marriage, but they feel very unsure and they're very unclear about what that means. So mostly it's just women who, don't I don't really realize their worth and the choices that they've made have reflected that back to them and then they get to a point where they're like okay shit I can't get any further what do I do um, and what do you tell them to do what's what's sort of the most common advice that you give to somebody who's not living in their worthiness um well we go through we go through how to raise their self-worth that's like my number one thing and that it sort of varies for every client. Um, and I tailor my advice and homework that I give to the person specifically. So it's kind of hard for me to just give like general advice, um, but raising self-worth is like the main thing we're working on and finding support and community to build around them in that self-worth. Um, I think that's really important as well. Totally agree. Actually, couldn't agree more. Um, <laughs> what are what are the moments in life where you find yourself enjoying being single the most? I mean, honestly, right now. So, I was with my partner uh, when I was traveling from October until May, and then he is Australian and lives in Australia. And I was going back to New York because I ran out of money, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> So we decided to part ways. He was younger than I was and his relationship timeline just looked different. He, you know, wanted the family and, you know, like deep committed relationship for a lifetime, but not for some years. And I'm just a little bit more ready for that. So we loved each other so much and had such a beautiful time together that we were like, look, we see that the future for us would be really complicated if we forced this and I'm would love to live in Australia, but not ready to make that move yet. And he wasn't in a place to move to New York. So we're like, let's just end it here. Let's like end it with so much admiration and love and respect for each other. And that's what we did. So I left when I came back, I, my love cup was so full and I felt so deeply healed Um, by that relationship because I was able to show up as a woman who loved her life, who loved herself and felt very confident in both things. And the relationship that was created out of that was again, so supportive, so open, so creative. He supported me so much in my creativity and really pushed me in that area. And he was emotionally available to me. He was just wanted to love me. 
and we, you know, got to travel the world and see all these crazy, cool, weird things together and experience that beauty that you find while traveling and, you know, like the mundane kind of boring on the train and then also, you know, seeing like the world's most gorgeous beaches. So it was so just deeply enriching and fulfilling. And when I came back, I was like, I'm good. Like I am, I am so happy to be on my own. I mean, truly I needed, I'm someone who takes a lot of space after a relationship as a conscious woman. Now I didn't used to do that, but I had spent every day with him for eight months. And that is a lot of time to spend with a human. I am deeply introverted and I need a lot of alone time and we would take space, but like now that I'm kind of getting back into the dating world, like I feel the same way. Honestly, I'm just like, I'm good. I love my life. I love where I'm at. I love the career that I'm building. I love my friends. Like I love where I live. You know, I'm moving to Paris next year to learn French. So I'm, I'm living my dream life. And I, I again, feel very fulfilled. So there's just, if when a partner comes in, Oh, amazing. He's just going to be the cherry on my Sunday, but my Sunday is already full. There's there's something that you've just said that is amazing that single women never get to hear. Mm. We don't get to hear positive breakup stories. Oh yeah. We don't get to hear somebody happy after something ended. We don't get to hear like the benefits of ending a relationship the way that you did from a very conscious and loving place. Yeah. It's all the breakup stories are just nightmares. They're right. terrible and they're also, know. you know, they're also full of a lot of regret and like a lot of loss that doesn't leave you feeling good. I love that I had that experience because my breakups before were always dramatic. We're always one of us mad at each other for a long period of time. And like, you know, he's an asshole and he's a dick and like blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, they were calling me a bitch and like calling me crazy, whatever. Oh, it's standard stuff. It's totally standard stuff. Yeah. And to experience, um, I can't even call it a breakup. It was a, we called it a transition into friendship. Like it just, Oh my God. It was so beautiful. Like it left us both full. Like I just felt full. I felt so loved and seen. Is it weird to say that I'm like proud of you and I'm like proud that this story exists? No, thank you. I'll take it. I like, I like broadening the perspective around what can happen and what does happen when you sort of, when you, change what you're willing to accept. And I I hate the word settle, but like you change what you're bringing into your life and you change what you're saying no to coming into your life. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, and that's, I think the biggest reason for that was the way that I showed up for myself before I met him. And then when we were in relationship together, uh, I was still meeting my emotional needs. You know, if I, I would, there was this one example of where he you know, was, we were going through a period where like, he wasn't being that affectionate. And um, my initial reaction, which was an old pattern was to be like, you know, huffy and go to him and be like, hmm, you're not doing X, Y, Z, which is what I'd always done before. And instead, my work that I'd been doing came in. And I was like, okay, where are you not showing up for you? Where are you not seeing you? Where are you not being affectionate with you. And so I really sat with those questions and did the work around them. And without me saying anything, it, he like shifted his energy towards me and he was the most affectionate he ever been. And that continued. So it's like our energy in relationship matters so much. And us showing up for our own needs first matters so much. Again, one person cannot be our everything. That is just a very unfair burden to place 
on a partner. Or for two people to place on each other. Exactly. So I didn't, for the first time, I didn't do that. You know, like my happiness didn't rest on his shoulders. My happiness rested on mine as his did on his. So we showed up as really like whole integrated humans. And not that, you know, either of us were perfect or done. Like he has his own things that he's working through and I still have mine. But for the majority of the relationship, that's how we showed up. And it you could see the work when we separated because it was just like, I love you. We just had the best time together. Thank you so much for this experience. I will never forget it. We'll be friends for life. Like I respect you so much. I can't wait to see what, like what happens for you in your life. You saw what was possible. And now that you know that it's like impossible to go back to anything less, Yeah, which is really, I think it's really important. And I also, I like to reiterate that because for people who maybe haven't had that kind of relationship to expand their viewpoint yet, I like to tell people that it's possible, that it's, we don't have to settle for scraps. We don't have to just accept these like little meager portions of life that kind of get fed to us in modern dating. There's something that's, that's completely whole and completely everything that you want. And, you know, bringing less than that into your life just really isn't doing you any favors. Yeah. And um, I had a friend once who was talking about dating a younger guy and saying it was, um, and I've actually, this has been coming up a lot for my clients that they're in their mid, you know, mid to early thirties and they're, I guess, early thirties. I'm 34. So 35 is mid thirties. I'm going to give myself another year before I say that. So early thirties and um, they're meeting younger men and they're feeling really insecure about that. Um, and a friend said something to me about, well, she wouldn't date a younger guy cause da da da. And I was like, well, I dated a guy and he was younger. And she was like, well, yeah, but that didn't last. And I thought that mentality was so short-sighted. Yeah. And so what society has programmed us to be like, if it doesn't last forever, then it's a failure. And no, you're missing out on the richness of a beautiful relationship if you consider it a failure. Yes, we separated. But did we have a beautiful time together? Yes. Am I going to celebrate that? Hell yes, I am. Do I hope to find a partner that I can be long term with? Yeah. And like, have kids with and raise them together with? Yes. But even if that partner and I end up separating, I will never consider it a failure. Like every relationship lasts for the amount of time it's supposed to last. And I think we need to get more accepting of the idea that you stay with someone for the amount of time that you're supposed to stay with someone. And if you separate, you know, when you show up, you do the work, you don't just like bounce when things get hard. Yeah. Then it's still beautiful and it's still a success. We should get comfortable with what happens when we grow because sometimes things go away. They do. It's part and of it's it. It's totally okay. Yeah. And it's totally it. okay. And it doesn't mean that the other person is bad or that I'm bad or that we did something wrong. It's just the way that life works sometimes. And like that's part of the growth process and that's okay too. I agree. Thank you for talking with me about the way life works sometimes. <laughs> I love recording this podcast, and if you guys love listening to it, there are a few things that you can do to support it so that I get to keep going. The first and most important, if you can leave a rating and a review on iTunes, that's a very big deal, and it improves the visibility of the podcast. Um, Beyond that, you can follow a single-serving podcast on Instagram. You can also join our private Facebook group, and you can always email me at a single-serving podcast at gmail.com if you have questions, comments, ideas, or just want to shoot the shit. I'll be there. Thank you guys so much for listening and I will see you next Monday.